If you have a bad debt from a loan you've extended to a poor person, can you deduct it from your tzedakah dues? Welcome to the Transformative Duff. My name is Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Today we are on page 90 of Tractate Sobus, and we learn the importance of paying yourself first. Welcome to the Transformative Duff, and thank you for being my Harissa today. I like to begin with a story. A wealthy individual had lent a significant sum of money to a needy individual. The day for repayment arrived, but the borrower was nowhere to be seen. A few days later, they crossed paths in synagogue. I'm terribly sorry I didn't make it around the other day, said the debtor. I'll pay you back shortly. But as time wore on, the lender began to wonder whether he would ever see his money again. He wasn't about to take the fellow to court over the loan. After all, what was the point if he didn't have the money to pay him back? But he did have an idea that he took to Rabbi Meir of Rottenberg for halachic advice. Rebbe, look, I know this man really needs the money. Can I just deduct it from my miser, my charity obligation, and consider it a gift? Let's discuss today's Gemara. Generally, a wife's primary heir is her husband, but sometimes that can cause family issues to arise. Here's the principle of Benin Dichrin. If a woman entered marriage with assets to her name and then she had children and later died, her husband inherits her property as her primary heir. Now, let's say he remarries and has more children with the second wife. Strictly speaking, when he dies, all of his property would be divided amongst his children per the biblical laws of inheritance. Nevertheless, the sages instituted the rule of Benindichrin, which entitles the children of the first wife to collect the sum stipulated to their mother in her original ketubah, prior to the disbursement among the children of the estate, according to biblical allocation. Now, our sages didn't institute their enactment in order to uproot and replace Torah law, and so they inserted a caveat that says that there must be sufficient funds in the estate for a portion to be distributed according to biblical inheritance laws, and only then can their enactment of Benindichrin take effect. If there's no money in the estate to execute according to the process of biblical inheritance laws, then the rabbinic enactment of Benindichrin does not take effect. The children of the first wife have no claim to preferential treatment, the estate is allocated equally, except for the firstborn who receives this traditional double portion, amongst the sons of both wives. In our Gemara, Rabbah presents a case where the husband, father, the deceased, had an outstanding debt that must be paid prior to any inheritance claims. He explains that all would agree that the availability of such monies activates the biblical process of estate execution, and therefore the first children may subsequently make their rabbinically enacted inheritance claims. The debatable situation would be where there is no external creditor, but the sons from the first marriage are claiming to be creditors. After all, they contend, they have a claim on the estate of the money belonging to their mother. As explained by Rashi, Benanus accepts their claim and treats them as any other creditor, thus satisfying the biblical inheritance process requirement. Rabbi Akiva says that makes no sense. A creditor is a person to whom you pay money that you owe. In this case, the children are effectively their own creditor. They're paying themselves. How does that satisfy the spirit of the law of inheritance? Let's return to the question of the wealthy individual who asked Rabbi Meir of Rottenberg whether it would be permissible to write off his loan and deduct it from his charitable account. The Maharam ruled that it was not halachically acceptable. What was the source of his ruling? The Gilyone Ashas points to our Rashi as the basis. Rashi states that one cannot pay himself as we require a bona fide recipient. 
Likewise, in the case of the wealthy lender, he's not really giving the charity to the needy individual. He's giving himself the charity. Nevertheless, the bottom line is that according to the Ramah, it is halakhically permissible to write off a loan to a needy person and deduct it from one's tithe account. While we're on the topic of paying oneself, let's take a moment to mention the application of the concept as employed by contemporary financial advisors. At first blush, it sounds funny to pay yourself, but we see that our sages already discussed the idea many centuries ago. The concept, as it's espoused in the realm of personal finance, refers to the importance of saving money even when you're struggling to keep your head above water. There are bills to pay from rent or mortgage to groceries to clothing, not to mention credit card bills and debt. What's the first payment to make each month when your paycheck arrives? Your own savings account. If you wait until you paid everyone else, there'll be nothing left for your own savings. But if you pay yourself before paying anyone else, before long you'll have significant savings to your name. Whether those funds pay for kids' weddings, education, a home purchase, or retirement funds, future you will be incredibly grateful for the sacrifices present you is making today. And returning to the tzedakah, the charity discussion, there are really two pots that must be paid before anyone else, your savings account and your charity account. When the paycheck appears in your bank account, the key to success in both of these realms is to pay your debts immediately. 10% to the tzedakah, the charity part, and 10% to the savings part. Once you've made those payments, you can figure out how to pay all the other bills, as difficult as it might sound to work out how to make ends meet with only 80% of your post-tax paycheck. Today it may be a serious challenge, but in the long run, paying yourself and tzedakah first will reap incredible rewards. May God open his heavenly treasure chest and shower overflowing blessings upon you, wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Daf Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Daf Yomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Daf Yomi global movement, there's something in the Transformative Daf for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the Daf with your family, your friends, your colleagues. It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful Dvar Torah. Every page of the Gemara, every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe to achieving a life of simcha and purpose. Transform your life today. The Transformative Daf is published by Mosaica Press and available at all good Jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com. Thank you, The Transformative Daf.